Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, emergency podcast edition. Tyler Tashman, uh, my teammate at Hawk Central, is with me to discuss uh, uh, news we did not see necessarily coming during the bye week. Uh, You know, Kirk Ferentz has never fired an assistant coach ever. Uh, he's, he's proud to say that. Uh, and he did not fire this one either, but someone else is ousting Brian Ferentz. Uh, Beth gets making the announcement today that Brian Ferentz will not be retained following the 2023 season. Tyler, I know this is, you're still in the first year on the beat, but obviously some pretty groundbreaking news here. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it kind of finally puts a clear concrete resolution to this whole deal with the um following last season with the points per game clause and such um it felt like it was kind of straddling on the hanging on by a thread but not a you know real decision of whether he was staying or leaving uh to be out you know to be put in the place but this seems to kind of finally bring a, a resolution to know that there will be a new offensive coordinator following this season and, um, you know, it, it, it just seemed to be kind of like dragging on. And, and it was a toxic situation where uh, there was obvious frustration between with the fan base. And we heard that, uh, you know, during games this season with the with fans chanting fire, Brian. So I think there's the timing of this, too. There's just a lot of different layers to this whole thing. So I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, uh, well. We'll have a pod tomorrow. We'll have a radio show Wednesday. Uh, you know, so there's plenty of time to keep discussing this, but we want to hit the headlines uh, of this news. Uh, let me read some of Beth Getz's statement today that landed at 2.32 p.m. Uh, had my, you know, have a news story up. My column is already up uh, as we speak. Um, worked on that this morning. Uh, She said, uh, anyone who loves Iowa football recognizes both the success and challenges that have brought attention to our program this season. Obviously not uh, her own doing. Uh, Our struggles on offense, coupled with the offensive coordinator's contract, make this a unique situation. After conversations with Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, and President Wilson, I informed Brian that our intention is for him to be with us through the bowl game, but this is his last season with the program Making this known today is in the best interest of the program and its loyal fans. It provides clarity during this pivotal time in the schedule. Uh, let's stop there. I mean, she she goes on and talking about talks about uh, supporting student athletes. You know, knows that at six and two, Iowa has a lot to play for, Tyler. But uh, I I detect no lies in this statement. I feel like it's a strong statement, a strong move. I know that uh, this is. Uh, against Brian Ferentz's will. This is not like him resigning, which, you know, I theorize maybe could happen after the season. So uh, this is something that could create a little bit of tension, I feel like, uh, the rest of the way. it's a, I mean, it's a big move by Beth Getz, um, who still has that interim AD tag. And 
one of the lines, and I, I don't want to look too much into you know the statement, but one of the lines that stuck out to me was she says, it is not my practice to be involved in assistant coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change during a season. And that's where just the timing of this is really interesting to me because I was in the thick of trying to win the Big Ten West in its last season, trying to make it to a Big Ten championship. And everything that I was had to deal with up to this point this season, whether that's the points per game uh, clause in Brian Ferentz's contract, whether that's the gambling probe, whether that's all the injuries they've had, this throws another variable into that. And I'm not saying I think it was the right decision in terms of Iowa needed to move on from Brian Ferentz following the season. But the I don't know, just the timing of it is just interesting to me because now you're, you're basically throwing an, another just really tough uh, storyline, I guess, or more distraction into a season where I was basically in the home stretch of trying to make it to a Big Ten championship and maybe its last real chance to make it to a Big Ten championship for the foreseeable future. So it the timing of it is just really interesting to me, I would say. Well, I think it's what uh, – we'll see how it, it pans out in history, I suppose, but I think it's what uh, good leaders do. You know, you make a decision – you don't wait too long to make a decision. This clears the pathway for Iowa to make a hire. It also clears uncertainty, maybe in Kirk Ferentz's mind. Um, you know, maybe he wanted knowing Kirk. You know, he would want to let this play out. You know, you never know what happens. You know, uh, you know, maybe you get to twenty-five points per game. Uh, it seemed pretty clear they weren't going to get to that point. But you, uh, she has to see that. Oregon's coming into the conference. Washington's coming into the conference. USC's coming into the conference. And Iowa is falling further and further behind on offense. And this is not a time to wait around. I think she can see, like we can all see, that Iowa has very, very little chance, uh, even if it gets to Indianapolis, uh, to win that game um, with Deacon Hill as its quarterback or with any quarterback right now that's healthy. So, uh, I think that's part of it too. I mean, you've you you start taking away kind of those embarrassing headlines and maybe lift a little bit of a cloud uh, over this team. Maybe they start playing a little more free. And I think if uh, you know, I think Brian Ferentz will give his all. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, these last four weeks uh, and maybe more. Uh, but if he's you know unwilling to perform his duties as offensive coordinator, which I don't expect he wouldn't be, but you've got John Budmeyer, you know, Cade McNamara's guy, Deacon Hill's guy waiting in the wings in case something happens. So there at least are some safeguards in place to kind of keep the train moving, so to speak, but it does put an interesting situation over Kirk Ferentz's future. You know, if, if this is a move uh, against his will, uh, you know, how does he react long-term? Does he make this his last year? I think that's a question a lot of people have already. Certainly that's going to be fair game uh, as a question at tomorrow's press conference. But um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on all that? I think, one, it, it definitely does seem to just kind of take some weight off the shoulders of Iowa as a program because of all the attention that this has got on a national level, yeah, it's, even though they were winning and getting bad headlines. Yeah, and and so. it's and it, it it hasn't been good attention. It's been, oh, look at the circus going on at Iowa where the head coach's son, you know, is has a clause in place saying you just score this many points. Like 
it did not make Iowa look good in any light. Um, so being able to move on from that and kind of, it was like a stigma almost around the program uh, because of that. So I think being able to move on that is a plus. The other thing I want to hit on is, which I think can kind of really easily be overlooked with, with all the offensive struggles and just the, this whole situation is that this is a father and a son. Like there's, there's a very human element to this that um, is frankly really a difficult situation. And this is not to feel bad for them, but it's just the reality of it is that imagine if, you know, your kid uh, is struggling at a job and you're, you, there's, there's pub, you know, this isn't your mom and pop uh, bakery or, you know, your, your corner of the street shop where, oh, this, you know, the, the, the son isn't doing the job up to par. This is a, a father that's having to deal in the spotlight, tons of pressure, media, fans that that's seeing their son struggle. And I think that that's, you know, something that you have to take into account that this is a very difficult situation for Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz because it is a, a father-son relationship and there's so many variables that, you know, are into play. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, it, they knew that this could happen when they signed up for it. You know, if you hire your son, there's a chance that something like this could happen. It has happened, but I think it's just, it, it's important to kind of take into account that there's a very human and raw element to this whole situation. So I, I, I wrote down all the numbers in the last two and a half seasons. So 21, 22, 23 uh, offensive yards, offensive points, and offensive touchdowns. And remarkably, Tyler, I want to make sure I got the math right. 17 out of 29 games, Iowa scored one offensive touchdown or less. 17 of the last 29 games. And that includes, uh, I'm sorry, the last two and a half seasons, since they beat Penn State. So last two and a half seasons. So I apologize for that. So 29 games in that stretch, 17 times one touchdown or less. And in that same span, 11 touchdowns by the defense and special teams, <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, they scored, I think the total touchdowns was in the low 30s in those 27 games or whatever I said it was. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's absurd. And this, this season, five of the eight games, one touchdown or less, including zero against Penn State, one against Iowa State, one against Michigan State, one against Wisconsin, one against Minnesota. I mean, that's just – it's just putting too much strain on your defense. These are the reasons Brian Ferentz was fired. Uh, here, here are some yardage totals also, Tyler, just to throw a little evidence into this uh, since the start of last season. Okay, this is when Brian Ferentz became quarterback's coach to go into the 2022 season. Uh, Kirk Ferentz obviously authorized that change uh, in, in light of Ken O'Keefe's retirement. 166 versus South Dakota State, 150 versus Iowa State in a loss, 158 at Ohio State, embarrassing loss, 146 against Wisconsin last year, 206 against Kentucky in the bowl game, um, 76 against Penn State, and 127 against Minnesota two weeks ago. So I think enough is enough in that regard. However, I just do, but I do want to point people to my column that's online now. 
Ferentz, Brian Ferentz had some good days as offensive coordinator. He averaged 31-plus points per game in 2018 and 2020. As I kind of wrote in my column, Tyler, and you'll, you'll like the baseball analogy, he just lost – he lost his fastball. He, he he just he wasn't effective as a pitcher anymore, and teams were just teeing off, clobbering home runs, game after game after game against Iowa's offense. So uh, the evidence was mounting, uh, but it doesn't just d- d- totally diminish what he did in his early years as offensive coordinator. Is what I'm saying. And I the the move that I think Beth Getz makes in this is an important one in that it it keeps the fan base engaged, I guess. Cause one of the big things that I was saying was that you, you risk apathy. <laughs> Looks like we have a special guest. <laughs> any, any thoughts? My daughter on- just got home from school. Do you have any thoughts on Brian Ferentz, sweetheart? <laughs> she goes, who is that? Uh, yeah. I'm on YouTube. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 There you go. All right. Go- <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> that was an interesting appearance. <laughs> Um, no, I think it, one of the big things that you risked with continuing to say with Brian Ferentz is that apathy that uh, of the fan base, because it goes from frustration, which what which it was to then just disengaging because uh, the product on the field was just so difficult to watch. And now by making this move, uh, Beth gets is pretty, you know, is, is showing that she was willing to make a big move and, you know, to, to move the program in a positive uh, manner and go ahead, jump in if you want. No, I mean, that's kind of what we were talking about. Like I just could not see a scenario in which Beth gets yeah. retained Brian at the end of this year. <laughs> Dargan in the chat says they want your daughter to call plays. <laughs> her team did win her soccer tournament over the weekend. And I was really proud of her, but anyway, where was I talking? Um, Oh, just that this seemed in- inevitable to us, right? So why why let it linger for two more months when you can make the move now? And again, I, I feel like this is going to lift some weight off the shoulders, of some tension. It's going to make some people pissed within Iowa football. I totally get that. But it's also going to – it's theoretically going to lift some tension just from the program as a whole. Uh, a little bit of freedom, maybe. Hey, my last four or five games as offensive coordinator, let it loose type of thing. The the interesting thing, looking further ahead to me about this decision is how much of Iowa's offensive struggles was Brian Ferentz? How much of it was scheme? Because look, that was my question is, you move on from Brian Ferentz, how much like how much is a new offensive coordinator going to change what I was able to do offensively? I think there's definitely to a certain extent that will change, but it's still the same scheme as Kirk Ferentz's scheme. Um, how you know how how much can Iowa get better offensively if it keeps the same scheme? And how much I guess when you look at your own frustration with the offense, how much is it of it is based on? the way that the offense is performing versus the scheme, because, um, you know, I I think that Brian Ferentz was in some ways looked as kind of like a scapegoat as the reason that uh, Iowa's offense has been so bad. And obviously he played a part in that, but he's gone. Then then who do you, you know, who might you point the finger at then uh, if the offense keeps struggling? So I think it's, 
Kirk has to give whoever comes in next as offensive coordinator has to give them some jurisdiction to put their own flair on things, to open things up, to change scheme, because the way that it is right now is not really appealing to recruits unless you're an offensive lineman, tight end, running back. You know, some of the skill positions, wide receiver, quarterback, this is not a a system that I would necessarily want to come and play in. Whoever comes in next, Kirk has to give them, I think, some jurisdiction to – change things up a little bit, maybe not wholesale, but, but put some wrinkles into it. Exactly. Exactly. It, the time has come, uh, especially again, this new big 10 world, you, this, this style just is not watchable. Uh, it's not, uh, it's going to fall behind. And, and it's clearly you're so far behind the, the top of the East right now that the, and that's the, that's the part that has to change. We've all known this for years and that's why, you know, it was kind of sold as, Hey, Cade McNamara is going to be the guy. And we've got Luke Lachey and Eric all, and these new receivers, Hey, Caleb Brown's coming. That's pretty cool. And we got two new linemen, you know, say it offense looked really familiar. In fact, it's the stats are worse than last year. And, and, you know, Cade McNamara as solid as he looked in, you know, in shorts and, and no pads, uh, the numbers just were not great with him either. So, you know, I don't know that he, you know, any of those moves really solved anything. Ultimately, the buck stops at Kirk. He's in, in the offensive meetings. He's not in the defensive meetings. He's in the offensive meetings. He lets Phil Parker and Seth Wallace do their thing. He lets LeVar Woods do his thing. You would think he would take a lesson from that and say, hey, I need to get out of the way. And I believe, Tyler, that Beth Getz knows that too. And she knows, as I put in my column, she's going to have to pay top dollar to bring in a really good offensive coordinator, somebody who will change things. Maybe, you know, use the quarterback's legs a little bit more, um, you know, to pair with the defense and special teams that you already have in place. Now, will Kirk actually stick around for this? I mean, I he's he's got $7 million a year for the next six years. It'd be hard to walk away from that, I think. But um, over something he should – readily see right that his offense with his son was not sustainable <laughs> and if you bring in someone new this gives you time right i mean beth gets has team work on this and you're not going behind anyone's back she can be working on this and you can get something maybe even before signing day right where you get appealing someone appealing hey i want to come play for this guy i want to come transfer into iowa next year and play for this coordinator with this defense, with the special teams. I feel like this it's a, it's a move with a lot of foresight and could be exciting for Iowa football. I, I think the transfer portal aspect of it is really important because now it allows you to dive into the portal uh, with the ability to kind of sell a new offense, right, or a, a changed offense. And I'm actually – I'm surprised how much headway Iowa was able to make in the portal this past offseason, even keeping Brian Ferentz. The fact that they were able to get Cade McNamara, they were able to get Seth Anderson, Caleb Brown, Eric Hall. They did a really good job bringing in some offensive pieces that for various reasons hasn't exactly panned out this season. But now this gives you the benefit of one, like you were saying, Beth Getz has time, you know, to figure this out but also that 
um, you can go in with into the portal with, with kind of maybe a you know a new offensive philosophy or, or maybe not whole philosophy, but with new energy. I think that's really what it, it at the end of the day that's what it needed. It, it felt like it was kind of the same song, broken record, playing over and over, and it, and there just needed something new. And and I feel like this is going to give Iowa something new. It's going to be a good selling point in terms of uh, being able. Uh, to go into the portal and try to get uh, playmakers. And also that uh, to me, Iowa, the offensive coordinator of, of Iowa is an appealing job. And some people might push back on that, but you're coming into a place that has an insanely good defense. And you're like, right. You, you, you're, you're playing for a head coach or, you know, you would be under a head coach that has had a lot of success. You're looking at a job of it's a tough fix, but if you're able to fix it, you have a championship level of defense already, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you need, if you can elevate the offense, um, it's a, it's a, it's a project, but if you can get it there to me, I, I think it, you know, it, it, to me, it would be an appealing job. It's not an easy job to slide into, but I think there's definitely upside in trying to, in, in taking that job. And probably beating, uh, uh, Overbeating the drum, what do you got? A broken record, what do you call it? Oh, I need some kind of musical analogy. I'm hearing my daughter practice her saxophone now, so this is quite the. the she's really horse. interloping into the pod. Dead horse, yeah. There we go. Dargan gets. It's not even an instrument, um, but it's got to require Kirk Ferentz kind of getting out of the way of the offense. He just has to, and I I believe that he needs to allow this new coordinator. Obviously, he's going to have to say and who it is as long as he's the head coach but he needs to allow but Beth Getz has to approve it um he, he needs to allow this person to potentially bring some of his own staff in he can't say okay you're working with George Barnett Abdul Hodge Kelton Copeland and Liddell Betts now there's you know I would definitely keep Liddell Betts for sure and Abdul Hodge I would I would not want to lose them off the staff the other two I'd you know I think certainly up for question, right? Wide receiver and offensive line, uh, two maligned position groups uh, over years uh, with of evidence here. So that's that's the next test. We've never seen Kirk Ferentz do this, so we'll see if he can do this. Um, we should have done three word headlines, so but well, maybe we'll do that tomorrow on the Tuesday pod. I got to go pick up my son from school in about five minutes. So any other topics you want to hit, Tyler, on uh, on this topic? I just. I would add that we already knew that this offseason was going to – the landscape is shifting because of the Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA coming in. There's already going to be change. Now we know for sure that there's going to be more change. So in a time when the conference is in transition, Iowa will also be in transition. So in, I guess in some ways, I wouldn't say a new era maybe, but it just feels like there's there's sort of the the tectonic plates are shifting within Iowa and it'll just it it adds another ingredient to kind of how is Iowa going to be able to fare in this new Big 10 where it's going to be even more difficult than before they're going to have a lot of questions to answer well and another part of of Beth Getz's statement was you know talking about the fans and so i feel like there there's definitely a segment of fans that have kind of been wanting the offense to just crater so that there would be a change. Now there is a change. Will fans be able to watch the rest of the season with a little bit more, I don't know, 
Uh, and there's just but, light at the end of the tunnel. You just yeah. see the lights there, you know. Regardless. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you. It's great if you score 27 points against Northwestern this week, right? If <laughs> if you wanted to change, you know, it's he's not coming back now. That, that, there's that path has certainly closed. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, there's still a, there's a game on Saturday. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> we'll talk about that tomorrow, right? I mean, we'll get players at eleven, Kirk at one forty-five. Uh, that's going to be a must-see press conference tomorrow. And there's a basketball game tonight. Exhibition. That's right. So that's right. <laughs> lots of stuff going on. <laughs> it is crossover season, and uh, we're covering a game at a baseball field. On Saturday, so yeah, yeah, that's fitting, very fitting. <laughs> With an over under of twenty nine and a half. See, I feel like that optic too is like just adding to the fuel. Like every single thing with Iowa's offense was a national headline. Yeah, Iowa with the, another you know program mark right. of the lowest over under ever. And again, yeah. you're favored, but it's like it falls on you, not Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, it's like a. It felt kind of like a weight, you know. It's like every, you know, it. the way I described it like earlier on this season was basically like last season and it's carried on to this season. It's like, it feels like the offense has kind of become like a national laughing stock. Like it's just a joke that people around college football can kind of poke fun at. And I would need, they need to get out of that. And this was kind of the, a meaningful step to trying to break, break away from that. Absolutely. Thanks Tyler for jumping on. Uh, for this emergency pod. Was this our first emergency pod together? I, I can't remember. So, yeah. Was it? Okay. It was a big one. Yeah. <laughs> a, big, a big emergency on this Monday, uh, uh, second to last day of October. So thanks for joining us, Hawk fans. We will be with you tomorrow. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, typically we go live around 4.30 on Tuesdays. So Hawk Central YouTube page, 4.30 on Tuesdays is our typical slot. I believe that's in line for tomorrow, right, Tyler? So um, should be good to go for Tyler Tashman. This is Chad Lystico of the Des Moines Register saying check out our coverage at hawkcentral.com and we will have a ton more tomorrow from Iowa City. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.